Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Your iPhones, whatever, just hold your hand up. It'll scare the devil. You might think you're giving praise to God or something. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to encourage you today as we close out uh, this series on confronting fear or uh, overcoming the fear in our lives. You don't have to be afraid. Today I'm going to talk about confronting fear. Uh, having faith doesn't mean that you have a lack of intellect. It doesn't mean that you stop uh, thinking or exercising uh, possibilities in your mind uh, through strategic ways and reading and all of that. As a matter of fact, faith is quite intelligent. Uh, there is a man named Bubba. He was from Mississippi and uh, he moved to the outskirts of New York City. Uh, and so he had kind of that southern drawl that kind of made him sound a little bit like a hick. But uh, anyway, he needed some money. He needed $5,000. So he went to a bank there in New York. $5,000, I'm going to be attending an international redneck festival in Paris. And he said, but I don't have an account at your bank. The loan officer was very polite, and he looked at him. He said, well, we're going to need some form of security or collateral in order to secure a $5,000 loan since you don't have any money in our bank. Well, the man's name was Bubba, as you might imagine from the south. And he said, well, that's fine. He said, uh, here are the keys to my Ferrari. It's parked out in front of the bank. And he said, uh, also, here is the title and uh, anything else that you might need. And the loan officer said, that, that's going to be more than enough. I, I apologize ahead of time, though, since you're not a... Uh, one of our uh, customers that I'm going to have to charge you 12% in, or so I'm so sorry. So anyway, he uh, decides that everything works out, and uh, as he's leaving the bank, the president of the bank, along with some other employees, laughed a little bit like, who in the world would leave a $250,000 Ferrari as collateral for a $5,000 note. They thought it was rather humorous, and as they're talking, they sent one of their employees out with the keys, got the Ferrari, took it very carefully, and parked it in the private, secure garage that the bank owned. And uh, two weeks later, the redneck returns from the International Redneck Festival in Paris, and uh, as he's returning, uh, they meet him there because they, while he was gone, they had done research on him, and come to find out, they had found that he was actually a multimillionaire. He had, he had investments all over the world, and it really was quite a, quite a deal. And the bank president went to him and said, Look, uh, we've done some research on you while you were gone, and you, you've got money everywhere. Why in the world would you come to us and borrow $5,000? He said, Well, where else in New York City can you park your car for two weeks and only pay $23.07? Pretty smart guy. I'm just going to trust God. Well, that's great that you're going to trust God. But we also know that faith exercises itself in activity. 
in action or works, if you will. So turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, out of the Amplified Bible. It says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. For faith, or by faith, trust, and holy fervor born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. Now, Probably without realizing it, every one of us this morning exercised faith. We do every day, only we don't realize it. When you got up this morning, you went out, you put the keys in your car, and you turned it. What did you do? You expected it to start. Am I right? Now, we don't think about it that way. We just think, well, the car ought to start. It's got a battery. It's got an alternator. Everything's working right. But the reality is, every time you get in your car, you're expecting it to start. That, That kind of expectation... Uh, it becomes so absolutely rote to us that we oftentimes forget to really focus our faith on things beyond the car starting. And, and fear comes in to take that away from us. Fear, the acronym is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real, fear. And a lot of people live by fear their whole lives without even realizing they live by fear. They make decisions not based on possibility, but they make that decision based on fear and difficulty. Well, if it doesn't work, what happens? And so the devil is constantly trying to use fear to apprehend your purpose and your destiny. And it works to a large degree in most people. Now, Between faith and obedience, you have faith and you say, well, I want to obey, is an area of discipline. Discipline is not something we talk a lot about in America, and it's not something we see a lot of. Discipline, that means doing what we know to do, even if starting to deal with some of you about apologizing to family members. God will show up. You're having faith that they won't show up. You're not having faith that God will show up. You're having faith they won't show up. So between obedience and faith is this thing called discipline, doing the right thing even when you don't feel like it. Faith will require something of us. It doesn't require so much of God. It requires something of us to say, God, I believe in you and I trust you. J. Oswald Sanders says, faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. In other words, you act like it's already done. I heard a story recently of a lady who had been trying to get pregnant for years. A pastor friend of mine actually was her pastor and in her 30s, in her 40s. And, and she just kept believing God. And everybody's looking at her like she's crazy. She's getting older. And by this time, she's in her early 50s. And she was telling everybody, I'm going to have a baby. She even had a room made for the baby. She had always had it. Can you imagine just for a moment what it took for this lady when people would come and visit and they say, well, where's your baby? Well, we're getting ready to have one. We're going to have one. And, you know, you can see people walking out mocking and, and, and not maybe saying anything, but in their mind going, this lady is crazy. But she saw something that wasn't visible. And this is a true story. At 52 years old, she comes up pregnant. She didn't just have one baby. She had twins. Now, 
when I say things like this, it rattles the natural mind because most of the time we operate and function in the natural and yet we serve a supernatural God that nothing is impossible with him. And there are times that you will do things that will cause people to question your sanity. But you don't live for other people. In what you are called to do, he will have won a greater battle than taking your life prematurely. Most people are afraid of dying. I'm less afraid of dying than I am living. Because as long as I live, I am called by God to obey him and do his will. I have no excuse when I get to heaven and say, God, you don't know. These people were critical of me. They lied about me. You can go on and on and on. And I can see God going. Because that's exactly what they did to his son. And yet Jesus never altered his course based on somebody's opinion. Oswald goes on to say, through faith, we can see what others cannot see. When there is true faith in the heart, God bears witness to the heart by his spirit. By faith, Noah saw coming judgment. Can you imagine Noah going, you know, what, what we don't understand, it had never rained prior to the ark being built. And God says, build an ark. Noah's going, why? Everything's great. But he exercised discipline, having faith in God, discipline, and obeyed God. And as a result of that, we all know the story. It began to rain, the floods came, and Noah and his family were saved. Why? Because he exercised faith in something that seemed like nonsense. And oftentimes, when God asks something of us, it seems like nonsense. So the very first thing that I want you to write down is make faith yours. You know how many times I've heard people say, well, i got a praying mother. i got a praying dad. I've got a family that prays for me. That's great. That's their faith. So you're having faith in her prayers. God didn't call us to have faith in somebody else's prayers. God called us to have faith in him. So when we're praying for somebody and somebody comes and says, I know you know how to pray. I know you know how to believe God. I get all that. And we should pray for one another and all those things. But when we come together for prayer, we're not believing in someone's spiritual prowess. We're believing in the strength of God. We're, we're coming together, joining our faith with one another and, and believing God to answer the prayers that we're praying. We don't put our faith in faith. We don't put our faith in someone else. We put our faith in God. And oftentimes, that's the problem in the church is people come and, and see the reason I, I stopped years ago. I quit praying directly for people because I felt like people were going to put their faith in the pastor. I don't want people putting their faith in me. I want you to put your faith in God. Yeah. I want us to join together and worship every week and say we're exercising faith in God. Not in ourselves, not in a leader, but in God. So when we join together, we all have the same opportunity and the same access to God as anybody else. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 21, the woman said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Now there were priests, there were Pharisees, there were religious leaders of that day. And notice that the woman said, I've heard about Jesus. I know about the religious systems that we live under. She said, but I believe him to be the man. And it says that 
If I could only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Doesn't say your wisdom, your knowledge. It says your faith. Not your relationship with a priest or a prayer or somebody, but your faith has healed you. This week, we did a post called, What Are You Having Faith For? It was a little disappointing, to be honest with you. I just kind of wanted to see if anybody would list what they were having faith for. I didn't see a lot of responses. And it, it amazes me because if I to think for thus and so, what are you believing for? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I want to please God every day of every week, every week, every month, every year. And I know that I need to be exercising faith. You say, well, aren't you being selfish when you're exercising faith? No, you're trusting God. Every time that you exercise faith, you're communicating to God, I believe you. I believe in you. I believe nothing's impossible. Greater are you in me than he who's in the world. That we have to exercise faith because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his character and nature. And he's never going to stop. I'm people say I quit I give up on my kid I give up on that job I give up on that promotion I'm giving up on getting that car I'm giving up on getting that house I'm giving up on getting out of debt what you're really saying is I don't trust you God I don't believe so we have to guard our mouth because the words that we speak hold life and death what if one of your children you'd promised one of your children something and they come up uh, come up to you and, and they say, well, Dad, I, I know it's not going to happen. That's break your heart, wouldn't it? Because you told them what was going to See, the Bible's full of promises. God's saying, here's what I'll do for you. I'll bless you in the city and the country coming in and going out. Well, you know, I don't feel very blessed. Faith and feelings are not one and the same. Matter of fact, they're quite the opposite. Oftentimes, we don't feel like something. We don't feel like believing. We don't feel like standing. We don't feel like fighting. But faith says you cannot quit. I fight it every Saturday and every Sunday. If you're ever, you can ask any preacher, the worst two days of the week for us, the best two days of the week for everybody else, called weekends. Amen. While everybody's out playing golf and having a good time, it, there is a spiritual battle that goes on for those of us who stand up every Sunday to preach. There's a spiritual battle that goes on, and it never stops until about Monday afternoon. Because by Monday morning, you're appraising everything that happened Sunday. And you're questioning everything. You're going, where were the people? Where was this? Did we do all the music, this, or the war? I wish I'd have said that. And, and all this is gets you to question what you're doing for God. So you have to make faith yours. And, and that's not easy. If you go back to the days of David, if you'll remember the story of David and Goliath, I think most people remember it, even people who aren't churched. It's just a great story that's been told forever and ever and ever. And if you'll recall, David actually is going to the battle lines to bring food to his brothers. Little David, his three older brothers were in the battle. There was Saul and one side, one hill were the, the, the Israelites. On the other hill were the Philistines. And this is how battle occurred. They both kept the high ground, seeing who the, if the battle is going to happen in the valley. And, and uh, so Goliath is, is calling them out. And, and they all called him a giant. I mean, the guy was nine feet tall. The head of his spear weighed 15 pounds. His vest weighed 125 pounds. This guy, the other, taunting Israel, 
the people of God. And all of the soldiers in Israel had lost faith. They had heard this big baritone voice and they had seen this giant of a man. And they began to question what they were going to do. And even Saul, the king, he's trying to, to, to keep his leadership intact and, and, and keep his strength before the men. But he had lost it. And so many times we lose it. And David comes on the scene. And David hears this voice. Everybody else called him a giant. David refused. David didn't say, wow, he's big. Man, what are you going to do? What are we going to... I'm just delivering food. I'm out. I'm just a Domino's delivery man. David never called him a giant. He looked at Goliath. You come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you with the name of the Lord. And David said, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to cut your head off. David like, wow, nine feet tall. And David was a little guy. But he had faith and believed that if he could kill the lion and the bear. And the Bible actually says, it doesn't say just through a sling. It says he took a club and pulled his father's sheep out of the mouth. Now, you got to get close to do that. Now, you know, most of us could stay back with a gun, but not even a sling. But David's beats him with a club, takes the sheep out. So David approaches this battle with faith. I don't know what it is you're going through. Maybe you're about to lose a job. Maybe your company's about to downsize. Maybe you've been given a bad report. Maybe the doctor said you might have cancer, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, it's time maybe to step up and say, you know what, you can say what you want. I'm calling myself healed but because by his stripes, I am healed. This is not my mother's prayer. This is not my mother's faith. This is my faith. And I refuse to speak what the enemy speaks. We know the story. David kills him, and then he goes and gets his sword. Now, can you imagine what Goliath's sword weighed? If his spear weighed 15 pounds, and you got David dragging it over here. And David cuts his head off. That's gross. But he have to just simply exercise faith in the face of people who are going to be critical. Say, so why do you go to church? Why do you believe God? Why do you tithe? Why do you forgive people who mistreat you? Why are you kind to people who are mean to you? Because you can't fight fire with fire. You can't beat hate with hate. And that's what our world system does. It's just a fight. It's just a big fight against each other. And we have to step away from that. And in order to be Christians and walk life out as a Christian, we can't fight the way the world fights. You have to make faith yours. You have to call it yours. Matthew 9, 28. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked them. He asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Because they wanted to see. And Jesus said, do you believe? I'm able to do this. Not did your mother believe? Did somebody in your do you believe? And sometimes we take a vote when it comes to the promises of God. We ask people, what do you think? I would not go to a church that didn't believe in healing. I wouldn't go to a church that didn't believe in miracles. Why? Why would you? Why would you restrict God to simply being a God of eternity instead of a God of now? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never stops doing what he does. Ask Dodie Osteen. 
She's supposed to be dead 30 years ago, but she's still alive and well. And I just was with her, uh, her son-in-law a couple weeks ago, and we always talk about the miracle that God did because the doctor said, you just have weeks to live. And she kept declaring the promises of God. And then now what people do when I say this is they say, well, why didn't God heal so-and-so? I can't answer why God didn't heal them, and I can't answer why God did heal her, but I can say this, I believe our faith contributes to our well-being. With him, and every time I play, it was it was actually I played golf with him just for comedy. Well, I'm probably not going to hit it very far, and he wouldn't. He'd have a six-inch putt. Well, I'm probably not going to make it, and he wouldn't. I just was amazed at the power of of and the influence of his declaration. He didn't believe, and you say, "Well, that's a simple thing." I get it, but you have to understand, faith operates on the simple, and in the simple, and in the extreme. We need to exercise faith. As a matter of fact, we need to practice exercising faith. Catch your mouth. When you start declaring something negative, stop and say, why am I declaring that? What good is it going to do me to agree with what I see? I need to agree with what I don't see. And what I want to see is I want to see them healed. I want to see them changed. I want to see a promotion. I'm declaring I have it. And if I never get it, I'm still going to declare it. Why? Because I believe God. I have to fight that every time I come to church in Oklahoma City. I look and say, God, you know what? I see this auditorium filled. And you look around and you go, well, it's not today. Well, you know what? It's going to be. I'm just going to tell you right now, you haven't seen anything yet. Mosaic Church OKC will be a voice to the nations. A part of this is how you were brought up, a part of it is how you listen to somebody of faith. I was brought up in a bootstrap community. It was, just, it was just tough. We grew up. I mean, my wife had horses up until she married me, and we'd ride horses to school to enroll. That's how redneck we were. Yeah, we'd go enroll before school start. We'd get on the horse, they had poles, and you'd tie your horse up to the pole. I knew Ben Cartwright. But I grew up, my dad just said, you know what? If you're breathing and you can walk, go get it. What's your temperature? 102. Well, if it's 103, you can stay home. Uh, you think I'm kidding? That's just the way I grew up. And so when I got born again, you put that with faith and you just go, we can do it. Nothing's impossible. I don't care if your kid's living for God or not right now. You just need to look at them and smile every time they're stupid and go, it's just getting ready to get better. God loves you so much. Give me, you put a brain in his head. Now we're declaring that it's going to be engaged. I don't know how many of you are football fans. I've been a Dallas Cowboy fan forever. And a handful of you go, boo. One of my favorite players of all time, this was back in a day when quarterbacks would drop back. They weren't mobile. They would pass, and, you know, they, it wasn't like it was today. It was the beginning of a new era. A guy named Roger Staubach was at the Naval Academy, and he was a freshman. And in a, in a military situation, everything was about honor. And if you were the least, you were the least, and you knew it. He was a plebe in the, in, at, the, at the academy, and... Uh, 
there were two quarterbacks ahead of Roger since he's a freshman, so there were already two. And, and the second-string quarterback knew he was the second-string quarterback. And one day he came up to Staubach in the, uh, as they were eating and said, I hear you're, uh, I hear you're coming after my position. And Staubach, giving the only proper response a freshman could give, is, is, no, I'm so sorry, sir, that's not the case. Well, you know, that's what I hear. I've been told that you're coming after my position. Staubach said, well, what's your position? He said, I'm second-string quarterback. Staubach said, with all due respect, sir, I'm not coming after your position. I'm going after the starter's position. He had faith beyond second team. He said, I was born to be a starter. And guess what? He took the starter's position. He had faith beyond second team. Or if we can just get a little bit. No, God sent his son to die for your best. To give you his best. And we have to pause and say, God, I'm not backing off of this. Things may change, but God's gifts and calls never do. Circumstances may change. Situations may change. But God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Secondly, make faith visible. What can you do to make it visible? Next month, I'm going to begin doing a series on having a thankful heart. Given that it's Thanksgiving month, I'm going to do a series. And then we're going to have these little stickers that we're going to hand out. These little uh, get up every, uh, post-it notes. And they're going to have thankful on it. Every day, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up every day. And I want you to put what I'm thankful for. If you'll start thanking God, the devil will get confused. God, thank you that I got that promotion. You're still in the mail room. And the devil goes, when did they get that promotion? These little demons come up. We don't know. We're sorry. (laughs) Every day, God, thank you for that promotion. God, thank you for that raise. I'm so thankful, God. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, it moves the heart of God. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It all begins with thanksgiving. People who are unthankful, ungrateful, are people who will be unfulfilled. We've got to be thankful for what God has given us and the people that God has given us. I'm so thankful for a wife who... Throughout the day, she'll just look at me and, you know, my, I, I've listened to too much rock and roll and, and, and drove tractors and mowers so long that my, my hearing's not that good. And sometimes that's really benefit. And then sometimes it's not. Because she'll, she'll say something to me and I, and I didn't, she says, you hear me? And I said, no, no I didn't. What did you say? She said, I love you. And she'll do that throughout the whole day. Just telling me that. And just, I'm just thankful. And what it tells me, I love you, says I'm thankful for you. When's the last time you said, I'm so grateful for you. So thankful for you. God, I'm so grateful for the people you've given me in my life. I'm so thankful for the job that I have. I may still be in the mailroom right now physically, but in my spirit, I'm right next to the CEO. Thank you, God, ahead of time. Thank you that you, you know the desires of my heart because you put them there. And so in Habakkuk 2, we've all heard this then the Lord said to me write my answer in large clear letters on a tablet so that a runner can read it and tell everyone else I have things I have a home gym and I have things in there that inspire me 
that as I'm working out, things that I read to keep me inspired, things that I proclaim and take time to do things you really want to do. I'm having faith that at 90 years old, I'll be doing what I'm doing at 60. Now, I know there are 90-year-old people watching right now going, it'll never happen. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> I think I'd rather trust God. You say, well, it just doesn't happen. Your body wears out. You got a lot of miles on it. I was built for more miles than you can imagine. When I was born, I was the new 100,000-mile kid, 100-year-old kid. You say, well, why would you believe it? I'm going to stay happy. I'm going to stay healthy. I'm going to stay whole. I'm going to have faith for great things in my older years. I might do a triathlon at 80. I'm just telling you, I've been working on it now for 20-some years. I ran halfway across America when I was 33, and I don't have knee replacement. I put on 3,000 miles in one year on these knees. These babies are titanium. God titanium. People say, how did you do that? I was a catcher. My knees are still working. I never say, oh, oh, they're good. People say, well, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. No, it's just going to keep getting mo' better and mo' better. So was that really change things? I believe it does. I believe it releases things in your body. I got an acronym for you. You can write this down. IDA. I worked with an Ida when I was in high school at Safeway. She was in the booth. I was out running sacking groceries and all that. But she was a wonderful lady. And uh, her daughter is still a, a friend of ours. And, uh, but I thought about it this morning. It means first, imagine. God's able to do more than we can think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works in us. Where's your imagination? Are you imagining things getting worse? Are you imagining things getting better? What do you imagine? Because whatever you begin to imagine, you will begin to live out. So the I is, you declare you defeat it. You're declaring it's not going to get better. Or are you declaring things are going to get worse? What are you declaring? Your declaration is important. Paul said, I believe, therefore I speak. He didn't say, I believe, therefore I think. I assume, I consider, I believe, therefore I speak. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's important. The reason we listen to worship music is not because other music is bad but because the words of that music inspire us to believe. doesn't make us better than anybody else. There's nothing wrong with secular music. For the most part, music is amoral. Now, there are some lyrics that you don't want to subject yourself to. I get that. But the reality is that whatever we take in here and we come deliver out of here changes the course of our life. What are you believing for? What are you having faith for? The A is accept it as done. Imagine it, declare it, accept it. And the reason accepting it is so important is that third step. Here's what happens between declaration and acceptance. The devil will come to you or your own mind and say, you don't deserve what you're believing for. You're right. I don't deserve anything but hell. But because of Jesus Christ, I've been offered the world. I've been offered eternity. I've been offered heaven. And that we have to believe those things and declare those things and say them out loud. I tell people all the time, declare it, hear it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing. Talk to yourself. I have a book of scriptures that I quote 
out loud to myself. If you walked in on me, you would think I was crazy. I talk to myself. I answer myself. I inspire myself. See, you don't hear this at the, in the first Nazarene. I love Nazarenes. Listen. No, I grew up in a denominational church. Never told me the power of the tongue. Never. Faith tells me what you, your words tell me whether you're having faith or not. If all you ever say is negative things, then you're not exercising faith. Now, please don't feel condemnation if you're having a conversation about reality. I'm not talking. He did address the fact that there would be tribulation. But he said, hold it. Take courage. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not going to let it just run over you. I want you to take courage. I've already overcome the world. You need to declare that. So when you're going through a difficult time, you just refer to that. You know what? I know there's going to be trouble out here, but I have courage because God told me to take courage. He didn't say give it. He said you need to take it. You need to possess it. You need to make it yours. You need to make it visible. If you're believing God for something, write it down. Put it in your Bible. Put it on the refrigerator. Put it somewhere to remind you. I have, I have John Wooden's Pyramid of Success in my weight room. It's on the wall. And while I'm working out, I'll go over and read one of the, the statements of success. If you Google John Wooden's Pyramid of Success, you'll see it. If you want it, it'll be online. I'm absolutely sure. But I bought it at an auction uh, that was a charitable auction. They were raising money, and it's an authenticated signed copy by John Wooden himself. Because I just wanted to remind myself, Mark, times are tough. And boy, let me tell you, I've been through some tough times. But let me tell you something. Jesus went through a lot tougher time and made a way for me to get through mine. God has made a way for you to get through yours. You need to write it down, make it visible, declare it. Don't let it get you. You get it. By his stripes we're healed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God will meet every need I have according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Right now you may be in a hard time. I, I tell you one of our ushers uh, uh, here, uh, Mark Matthews, you ought to hear his story. Broke, busted, disgusted, divorced, bankrupt, and everything else now has one of the largest roofing companies in the state of Oklahoma. But he didn't quit. Their story is pretty amazing. He and his wife, Chrissy, are volunteers here, and, and their story is pretty amazing. A lot of people would have quit, but he kept leaning, leaning on Jesus, started coming to the church I was pastoring. I just started talking about declaring. He said, I'd come and hear you on Sundays. I didn't know who he was. Really didn't know who he was until he started coming to Mosaic. And told me his story. And it was a magnificent story. And so some of you right now may be in a difficult time. Uh, one of my dearest friends who's now worth $250 million. Lives in Port Aransas, Texas. And uh, he tells the story of he had, he had five kids. He's sitting in a park. He had gone to a Lutheran church his whole life. And one day he just doesn't want me to do. Today he's worth so much. And he's probably the biggest giver I've ever seen in my life. This man of God told God in that park, if you will do for me what I'm asking you to do today, do for me today, I'll do for you whatever you ask me to do. He has put more kids through college than you could ever imagine. This is a man who told me when I was going through my stuff, he said, Mark, you don't have to worry about a thing. He said, I will put your daughter through college. Today, my youngest daughter is going to UCO and he's paying for every dime. Of her college. God has a way of meeting your needs when you don't think that it's possible. 
Story after story of people who said, my circumstances tell me things are really bad. I got a hole in the floorboard of my truck. I got five kids I got to take care of. But he looked to heaven. He exercised faith in God. And that's the last point. Make your faith functional. What will you do to get to the place of your dreams and desires? And once you get there, what will you do when all of those are met? My friend John did exactly what he told God he would do. And he's been doing it now for 30 years. Exactly what he told God he would do. Faith without works is dead. Here's the ugly catch. We cannot work for salvation. That's faith and grace. Once we have salvation is when the faith begins to work. And by work, it takes action. So well, I need to be blessed a little more. God said, well, if I bless you, you're going to need to be a blessing. That's what he told Abraham. I'll bless you so you'll be a blessing. Yeah. If you just want God to bless you, you have an incomplete, incomplete request. God, I want you to bless me so I can be a blessing. When I asked that prayer years ago, when I was, uh, I, I'm a car guy, and God spoke, I said, God, I'd like this kind of vehicle. And God said, well, I'll bless you, but you have to be a blessing. I started, so it, it, it was hard at first, and then I started looking for people to give them to. So it, it, that just doesn't sound right coming from a preacher. I'm just a Christian like you. I just preach because God said to. I don't get any special treatment because I'm a preacher. Matter of fact, it may be the opposite. Not many should become teachers. I've never used the platform for that purpose. My relationship with God is just like yours. Every day that I get up, it's not God, you know me. I pastor a church. You know, I've sacrificed everything. God, I've given my life to you. That's not what God wants to hear. God wants to say, hear us say, God, I believe. Just like that woman with the issue of blood. If I can just get to Jesus, and by the way, you can get there like that quick. You don't have to push through the crowds anymore. If I can just get to Jesus... I know I'll be healed. I know I'll be well. If I could say one thing to you today, don't give up. Don't quit. You say, what do I need to do to get started? Just write down a list of things you're going to say. And as you're saying the other things, because you don't quit overnight. If you're negative, it ain't going to stop overnight. So what you do is you just put your positive things up there and say, I'm going to declare these things. And as I'm declaring these things, these will fade and I'll begin to declare the promises of God. God, you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. That we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And my testimony is this. I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by who I know. Those who know their God shall do great exploits. I'm not moved by how I feel. There are days I don't feel right. There are things I don't. Uh, there are just days I don't. There, have you ever just woke up on those days and you just thought, there's just a cloud in the bedroom. And you can't find your way to the bedroom door. It's a fog. And you're in a funk. If you want to get out of the fog and the funk, just begin to declare what God says. I mean, if you can even get close. I mean, you, 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 know, you don't have to quote the King James. You don't have to quote the word exactly. I just know that there's something in there about miracles. There's something in there 
about promises. There's something in there about healing. There's something in there about God providing. There's something in there for me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. There's in his presence is fullness of joy. How do I get joyful? I just get in his presence. I just pause. How do I do that? By beginning to think God thoughts. I'm telling you your best days are ahead. Best days are ahead. So it doesn't look like it today. Start making it look like it. Start exercising faith in God. Confront the fears that tell you it'll never work for you. Works for others, it won't work for you. I've heard that my whole life growing up. You know, we just don't have that. It's not the way we were raised. We got to get ours. And I thought, you know what? You get what you give. If you give hate, you're going to get hate. If you give love, you're going to get love. If you give money, you're going to get money. If you give time, you're going to get time. I'm just telling you, whatever you sow, you reap. Sow faith. Sow love. Sow those things so that God will have seed to work with in your life. Sow forgiveness and you'll be forgiven. It's wonderful. Sow joy and you'll find joy. Sow laughter and you'll find laughter. Whatever we give, we get. Don't let anybody talk you out of what Jesus has died you into, which is an incredible life. A life more abundantly. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your only son. Thank you, God, for giving us promises Not just eternity, salvation, though those are wonderful. But you've given us promises by which we live and we stand and we fight. And God, as I stand here today, Lord, I just declare that you fill Mosaic Church OKC with people that are hungry and thirsty and desiring to know your will and your way in this world. Lord, I thank you for the people that are here and those who are watching online. God, that you're filling their lives with with faith, with confidence, with trust. God, that they're seeing clearly that you have a plan for their lives. Even if maybe they were brought up believing that there was no plan, that you just work hard and you die. Lord, I thank you that you're breaking the genetic curse of cancer off of families. Lord, Alzheimer's and dementia is broken in Jesus' name, Christ. That our minds are renewed and washed and cleansed by your word. God, I declare that the lack that we've experienced will not remain. You're a God of abundance, a God of blessing. God, I thank you today that we overcome and we believe. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask all of you watching online and everyone in here to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your only son. To die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare I am saved. I am set free. I am a child of God. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.